Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you are excited today? You came anticipating that God was going to do something good in your life. Anybody? Is that you? Come on now. Hallelujah. I got good news for you. You're not going to be cheated today. Today we're going to start our series on entitled Living Faith. And uh, we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about faith. Uh, we're going to take a, a, a good peek at what it's like to live in the midst of a life that is led by God, led by the things of uh, the Word. And we're going to be able to see just how incredible taking the step of faith is in walking out the things of the Word. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 20. And uh, I want to uh, begin today by reading a text of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. He says in Galatians 20, when you're there, say, I'm there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you are glad that you are saved by grace through faith? Amen. Hallelujah. Ooh, how many of you had a grace moment this week where you just hit that place to where you, you, you just had something crazy going on, but God's grace just brought you on the other side of it and you could just breathe again. Amen. Hallelujah. Ooh, we serve a good God. Serve an amazing God. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's, he's uh, writing this letter to the churches of this area. And he's talking about his life. He's talking about where he's came from and where he currently is in this structure of what God's doing in his life. Now, again, uh, you have to understand what I'm saying here in the structure of what God is doing through his life. Now, we all, no matter what age you are, you're in this current present moment, this moment where God lives, this moment where life is, is, is uh, uh, upon you, but God is with you. And so we know that if God before us, then who can be against us? Amen. So think about where you're at at this moment and know that God is with you. The good news continues on because God says this, and this is, what the, this is what the Apostle Paul was living in. He was living in that ideology that he knew that nothing could separate him from Christ, no matter where he was. And so we knew, he knew that not only if, if God was for him, who could be against him, but he also knew that God was an enduring God. That God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's living in the concept of knowing that when I embrace the things of the word, that I have a God that not only sustains me, but the Bible says that he makes us more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Amen. How many of you uh, are, are glad to know that God doesn't want you just surviving? He wants you overcoming. Amen. There's something in the idea of, whoo, wow, we made it or bam, we made it. They're two different things. 
Faith is enabling yourself to live in the power concepts of who God is through you and knowing that these things are true. And you only know these things are true by the concept of walking out the things that you know of who God is and what he wants to do through you. So remember that when the Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, he has made a, 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 a conviction in his life that at some point he said, this is what my life is going to stand for. It's going to stand for Christ and him crucified. It's going to stand for God and the things of what he has in store for my life. So I've transitioned from a life of living for me to a life of living for him. That's the first step in activating faith. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, listen, I live by faith. We have to have a living faith. When he talks about live by faith, he's talking about actively each moment of each day, living in the concepts of what God's word is and allowing God to propel him to the place of his future. See, one of the great things about faith is this, is that faith is the ingredient that makes a Christian life adventurous beyond what we can comprehend. See, there is a place the Bible talks about in an invisible environment, and that invisible environment is where God lives because he's always out in front of us doing and preparing things ahead of us that we're not even aware of. And see, trusting God by faith is what allows you to hold fast to the truth that if God be for you, who can be against you? He now lives in the flesh. He lives by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we begin this series on living faith. We thank you, God, that you are a God of the incredible. You are a God of the unbelievable, and you are a God of the supernatural. We thank you, God, that you have come into our lives to impart your word into us that we can be encouraged as we exercise the faith that you have given us. Father, I thank you that you're not asking us to believe a whole lot, but even just believe a little. You said if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and it would be removed. So, Father, it just says to me, that active faith, believing in you, connects us with a source that helps us to live beyond who we are, what we see in the mirror, and what others believe about us. And so, Father, today, as we progress at the beginning of this series on living faith, I pray that by the time we're done with this series that people would see differently, believe differently, and that they would embrace your word in a whole nother level. And so, Father, today, I pray, God, that you help me to stay focused on the things that you want said and you want done. And, Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
When I began to read the word early in my walk with God, I began to see things in a way that I thought, wow, if this is what the Bible says, these are some amazingly incredible things. If this is the way God is calling us to walk, then we're supposed to walk differently than we can ever comprehend in our flesh. As a matter of fact, one of the things I read was in John chapter 14, when, when Jesus says that uh, uh, as you walk the earth, even greater things will you do when you do them in my name. We sang that song about speaking the name of Jesus. And the idea is he gave us his name to speak in all circumstances and to know that he is backing up what we speak in his name. It's amazing to think, how could we possibly do anything greater than what Christ did? But that's what he said. Even greater things would we do in his name. I began to continue to read and I came across texts of scripture that said things like this. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. In other words, that there's going to be things that we face in life, but... In Christ Jesus, we are able to overcome those things and to conquer them. You know, when a team has lost 10 or 15 games in a row, there's only one thing that cures losing, and that's winning. And when you get to the place to where you begin to transition your mindset that no longer are we losers, but we have the capability to win, then people play sports differently. When we as believers begin to have victories in Jesus. We begin to see life through a different lens. And when we begin to win, then we begin to become encouraged for what could possibly take place. When I read the book of Joshua, I couldn't believe that Moses had died and God was transitioning to a new leader. And he said this to Joshua. He said, I promise you, what I promised Moses will come to pass. He said, be bold and courageous, be strong and stand in the places that I take you to go. He is encouraging him to, to, to know that in the same way he was with Moses, that he was with Joshua. When I look at the different things of, of the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says that I'm to live by faith and not by sight. In other words, I'm to, to live uh, believing not in just what I see, but in what could possibly happen in God. The Bible told me in Romans 10, 17, it says that faith comes by hearing. What does it come by hearing? The word of God. So that I knew that if I was going to increase the parameters of the things that I could possibly do through Christ, I had to not only read the word, but believe it. When I read the story of Noah, I couldn't believe that God was going to uh, take mankind and destroy it. But yet he was going to save a remnant and he was going to bring them forth to a place to where new life was going to occur. He was going to have them build a boat for something that had never happened before rain on the earth. And he was going to entrust Noah to trust him to build the ark. And that's the great story of Moses. He had to believe in something that he couldn't see, but have faith in a God who told him what to do. When I read about Moses, I was enamored by the fact that his parents put him in a basket and, and pushed him off in, into a lake 
not knowing exactly what would happen to him, but they knew that Moses had a great destiny in his life. And so by faith, they put this deliverer in a basket that was helpless upon his own, pushed it forward and believed that God was going to bring that child into a place that would foster who he would ultimately be. One day, that baby stood before Pharaoh in faith, demanding that the Israelites be released from Egypt. He, he, he had to believe that everything that God had told him would come to pass. And so he went from being a deliverer, a baby in a basket, to being the deliverer of all of Israel. When we read about Joseph, we, we read about a person who had an amazing dream who God imparted something into his life. And, and in the midst of God getting Joseph to the place where he would ultimately be, there were a series of circumstances that happened in his life. How many of y'all have circumstances that have happened in your life? A series them of them, many of us. But that Joseph, by faith, held on to his dream and ultimately got to the place of his destiny that God had in store for him. Then I read about Abraham and I read about in Genesis chapter 12 how God brought Abram in and told him that here is a man 75 years old. He told him in a symbolic form at that time that he would be the father of many nations, that the families that would come after him would be blessed. Now, how many of you realize that you are in that lineage and the same promises you are one of the families that are blessed along the line of Abraham? It might seem like it was thousands of years ago, but what God puts in the Bible as his first mention, the fruit that comes out of that lasts for a lifetime. But Abram didn't understand exactly what was going on. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 4, because I want you to see something that the Apostle Paul writes to the, the church in Rome about who Abraham was and what happened in his life. Abraham, when, when God told him he'd be the father of many nations, he said, don't play a trick on me. I'm an old man, and you know that we've tried for years to have a baby, but yet it never came to pass. And, and look at my wife and, and look at our ages and, and see that this seems uh, rem uh, impossible. And in 416, it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what God does. When he speaks into a situation, he is not speaking as somebody who does not have the power or authority to control all things. We see that in Jesus when he spoke to the wind and said, peace, be still. And, 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 and the wind obeyed him. There is no situation that God can't step in and make a difference in. Verse 18, who, contrary to hope, in hope 
believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so your descendants shall be. Now listen to verse 19, because I know that some of you today, you're in a weakened state. You, you've been believing God for something. You haven't seen it come to pass. You've wanted God to change something in your life, but it seems like it's taking him forever. You've, you've had a prayer request for a family member, but yet they still haven't come to, to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And not being weak in faith. This is what Abraham was, not weak in faith. Why? Because God spoke that he would be the father of many nations and that something would come out of where God was leading him. He did not consider his own body. Why? Because his body was almost already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He was looking at all those things or he is not looking at all those things as if they were. He was looking at things as if God was going to make something different occur. He was weak. He was old. He was tired. He, he, he was 100 years old. But that did not deter what happened. The Bible says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. When God spoke that to Abram, there was still 10 years that went by until uh, uh, the promised child was given to Sarah in her room. 10 years till that went by. What do you do with the 10 years of waiting to get to the place where God's going to ultimately make uh, what he has said to you come to pass? Well, I want to encourage you. That's the time where you find joy in the midst of all your circumstances because when God speaks, he honors his word and you can trust him. And when we read these things in the Bible, we cannot read them as just stories that happened at one time to somebody else. We have to read them in preparation for what God is going to do through us when he ultimately gets us to our place where we're going to lead people out of the promised land or have something that doesn't seem like anyone could have it or prepare us for that mission that's going to change the destiny of even a nation. Joshua, when I read about his people and how they marched around the walls seven times and then the walls came down, they had to encourage the people not to speak. Because if they would have spoke, they would have got around the fourth time and said, this is ridiculous. They would have got around the fifth time and said, let's just leave. I mean, this whole group, we're going to leave. You guys want to stick around. If they got to the sixth time, they would have said, this just absolutely makes sense. And if it would have been that they would have had the opportunity to speak and, and to reason amongst themselves, there would have been about five of them shouting down the walls of Jericho the seventh time. But you see, God knew that in order to keep these people into the place that they were, he had to give them parameters. And when they came to that final place of shouting down the walls, I'm sure it was a win of unbelievable proportions that they got to walk in the midst of. Then David, we see that he took five shiny stones out of a brook 
And he prepared himself for something that was totally unrealistic in the flesh. But when David came to the place of the encounter, he heard somebody saying things about a God that he knew better than the men who were hiding behind the circumstances of their, of their army. And, and David said, is there not a cause? You see, faith in God always comes to a place to where we have to face that thing that's in front of us. But when we choose to say yes, things begin to happen. By faith, we, we cannot understand what happens five years ago. But, and then when we see it in our current setting, then we begin to see God in a different parameter. If you would have told me five years or six years ago that we would be looking at having over 400 schools with over 17,000 students and it would cost us over a quarter of a million dollars, I don't know if I could have bought in and believed for that at the beginning if I didn't have faith to know what was going to happen in the end. But only God can tug on the hearts of, of, of people to donate something by faith and not seeing what the ultimate outcome was, but believing that God was in the midst of it. You see, that's what faith is. Faith is always believing beyond what we can see with our natural eye, knowing that there is a God who is bigger than us, who is leading and guiding us. When Elijah stood before the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, it must have been massively intimidating to be in the midst of that. It would be like my basketball team going to play Pickerington Central and being in the midst of all those Pickerington fans surrounded by these 12 small little girls wondering how they could overcome not only the people on the court, but those who are in the crowd screaming against their every move. There's got to come a time in our lives when we drowned out the noise around us and we allow only one voice to speak to us. And that is the voice who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine. There got to come a time when we allow God to speak through all of the nonsense of the hour to encourage us to stand when everything around us seems like it's failing. God is the God who is able... When the Bible tells us that with God all things are possible, it's such a small verse, but yet it has such a significant meaning. Such a, it's just a few words, but those words put together have such an incredible meaning. And when Elijah stood before the prophets of Baal, he stood in confidence knowing that there was going to come a time that he was going to be able to call on the God who created the universe. And that God was going to back him up. And although he was a visitor against the home crowd, that God didn't care about his circumstance because God was able to deliver when he was called upon. We can always trust a God who is able I love the fact of reading John chapter 11 
And when we get into that place to where uh, Jesus is coming to his friend's rescue four days after he is dead, and the idea in the natural of rolling away a stone on a guy who's been dead for four days and acting like something is going to happen, there had to be all kinds of people standing outside the tomb thinking this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen or heard. Jesus, you, if you roll the stone away, he's, his body's going to be decomposing. It's going to stink. It's not going to look good. It's not going to be right. Do you want these people to have the stone rolled away and them look inside and see a decaying body of Lazarus? Jesus, do you really know what you're doing? How many of you know when Jesus comes on the scene that something supernatural is going to happen? And when that supernatural thing happens, it's not going to be seen and be viewed like the natural realm would view it. So Jesus wasn't worried. He was not only going to have people see inside the tomb, he was going to call to the tomb and call Lazarus' body to come forth. And we know the rest of the story. Lazarus came forth at the words of Jesus because his power is in his words. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. That's what we sing because when we speak the name of Jesus, the idea of victory gets worked up. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. Here's Peter standing before the, the crowd, just after being filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that something's different about him. He's not the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Now he's the one who's demanding the crowd's attention. He's speaking a powerful message. And the Bible says that many of lives were transformed. And in the very next chapter, we get to see that that Jesus who said, even greater things will you do in my name, they tested him. They were at the gate where the man was begging for years, had no hope of ever being anything but a beggar. Listen to me. He had no hope of being anything but a beggar. But how many of you know that when Jesus comes on the scene, when the power of God comes on, everything is about to change. And so th those guys are thinking, wow, this guy, we're begging, we're coming against him. I, 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 I look at this in this way. Let, maybe this will help you. How many times do you go into a place now where you just go to pick up a fast food order and you're paying online it's a fast food order. And they say 15% tip, 18% tip, 20% tip. And you're faced with that challenge of saying, I'm not tipping. But yet the peer pressure is so great on you that you just write something in there because you would feel like everybody's watching you if you didn't write something in on that tip. This is where these guys were. They didn't have anything to offer him financially. They couldn't tip him if they wanted to. There was nothing there. But they did something that was going to change the uh, position of a hopeless beggar into somebody that their life was now transitioned for all the rest of the days of their life. And they looked at this guy and by faith, 
They said, this is what Jesus showed us to do when he sent us out two by two in the 12, when he sent us out as the 70, when we waited up in the upper room as the 120. There's something that was building inside of them that was increasing the idea of not only who Jesus was, but who they were in Jesus. And they said, hey, listen, I don't have any money to offer you, but I do have this. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. See, that's taking faith to a whole nother level. They saw what Jesus did and they knew that Jesus was turning the keys of the kingdom over to them and they enacted what they saw and something amazing happened. When your faith gets activated to the place to where you're transitioning other people's lives, then you're beginning to live the Christian adventure that God has turned you loose for here in the kingdom. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me just say this to you. We can only teach what we know. We can't teach beyond what we know. But see, Jesus never just taught what he knew. He activated what he taught. And this is the place where faith comes in. We can teach what we know and leave well enough alone. Or we can teach what we know and then we can impart what we experience. You see, when God's people begin to walk by faith and they see God manifest himself through the things that they do, they have a different story to tell. They have a different lesson to teach. They have something that people want to listen to. The Bible says when Jesus taught, the people were amazed and then he activated the things that he was teaching them because it wasn't enough for them to have head knowledge. They had to have an experience and an encounter with the God who could do exceedingly more than they could ever imagine. It's important that we experience the kingdom and we experience the kingdom as we live by faith. Now, I've told you multiple times that God is working here. He's doing this. He's preparing that. He's getting pieces in order. He's, he's the great positioner of people on life's chessboard. Let me just share two quick testimonies with you. The first one just happened in Nairobi. Two days before we were preparing to leave for Uganda, we were in Lodwar, Kenya. There was a, a small rain that came through. There's only two flights that go in and out of this place. And I tell you, people would rather not fly in, but they love to fly out. And so uh, there was a little rainstorm, and then the guy says to us, well, the plane turned around and it went back to Eldoret an hour away because it wasn't able to land. And, you know, you're thinking to yourself, I have seen... People land planes in torrential rainstorms. This one is not even remotely that difficult. So we all, I knew, I told Chuck, I said, this guy is not coming back. He's probably got a girlfriend in Eldoret, and he would rather hang out with his girlfriend that night than turn that plane around. The second thing is this. These guys probably do not have night clearance to fly planes at night and land in the dark. That's a whole different uh, aviation clearance that you have to have. And so it was becoming increasingly clear that this was not going to happen. 
And so we just called our driver. He was headed somewhere else. He turned back around, picked us up, put us in our hotel. I laid in my bed and I said, Father, what are you doing? What do you have in store? You know that we missed our flight to Uganda because we missed this flight. Now, what, what, what are you thinking? So woke up the next morning, they got us out on the eight o'clock flight. We had to spend the next day in Nairobi because we were headed to, we changed our flight to Uganda. So we're resting and I got sick and, and God looked smarter and smarter the whole time because I'm so sick. I, can, I didn't even get out of bed that day with stomach issues. And I'm thinking, Lord, you are so smart. What do you have in store? So we get up the next morning and we head to the airport and we're uh, at the gate uh, getting ready to check in. And uh, I give the lady my passport and everything. She says, that's wonderful. You've got the East African visa. You can get accepted into Uganda. Chuck checked in and she said, where's your visa to Uganda? He said, I'm going to get it when I get there. She goes, we don't play that game anymore. So you're not allowed to fly. So I'm standing at the counter now thinking, this can't be happening. Because I went back and tried to, to get him a, a visa electronically, you had to wait three days. There was a three-day waiting or cooling off period or whatever you want to call it. So I immediately thought to myself, hey, this ain't going to happen. So my next move was to get on with American Airlines and see if we could get home that night. Because we were already exhausted. So we did all that, no flight to Uganda. We are at a place called Paul's Cafe. Chuck and I are talking about the things of the trip and a young man comes in with a bottle of vodka. He sits down on the table next to us and, and uh, he's, it, it's nine in the morning. He's already three sheets to the wind. And uh, so he hears us talking about God. He hears us talking. So he comes over and says, would you mind if I sat down with you? And we said, yeah, great, no problem. You know, we love these divine encounters. Listen, folks, if you'll unbusy yourself, if you will unbusy yourself and not make yourself so stinking important and just relax a little, you will find that life comes to you as opposed to you trying to push through life. It, it really does. And this is from a high eye, total sanguine, total pusher. Okay, so this isn't coming as a, anything but a personal message to myself. <laughs> and so we just begin sharing with this guy. And it becomes evident after he said, you know, this is the third time. I came to Nairobi from Rwanda for 30 days to find myself. And we said, how's that working for you? What'd you find? And he goes, well, I'm not really sure. I spent 30 days and I found out that I'm out of money and I need to get back to Kigali. He said, but I've tried to catch this flight three times, but I was so drunk every time that I missed the flight just like I did this morning. And then it was hitting me. God brought a rainstorm in Lodwar and no matter what I thought the pilot could do, he didn't land. We got there a, a day late. We planned on going to Uganda, and he said, no, uh, don't blame Chuck. I didn't have him get a visa because I had Jean-Paul waiting for you guys. You see how this all works? And so we end up um, talking to this guy for about an hour and a half, 
And so right there in, in the restaurant, now everybody's watching now Paul's Cafe. So we led this guy to Jesus. And so then we called our friend in Kigali and introduced Jean Paul to Jean Paul. What's that? Yeah, Kigali, Rwanda. Yes. So uh, now we have the ability not only to lead this guy to the Lord, but we have a friend where he has a, where he lives. So in connecting them. So I don't know what God's going to do with that eternal peace, but that's what happens when you live by faith. You trust God no matter what your circumstance seems like with your own eyes. You trust that God has brought things to align because of what he did. Now, I told you at Easter that the guy on the right side of the cross, what did Jesus have to do to ultimately get him? Uh, 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 what did God have to do to ultimately get him close to his son? He had to nail him on a cross right beside him. See, God will do whatever it takes to change somebody's eternal perspective. See, when, when the Apostle Paul talks in, in uh, Galatians about a living faith, he's talking about while I am imprisoned, that I am still moving forward to accomplish things in the kingdom of God. You see, when you have a living faith, your circumstances don't disqualify you from the place that God ultimately wants to use you. Your circumstances put you in the midst of where he needs you to be. And that's what makes the kingdom life an incredible adventure. So that's why I didn't just entitle this series Faith, I entitled it Living Faith because we are all living until either Jesus comes back or until he takes us home. So what are we supposed to do with the days between then and now? We need to be his people about his business. We need to be the Davids that prepare five shiny stones just in case our slingshot needs to be put into action. We need to be preparing our babies by uh, preparing them like Moses' mother prepared Moses because there might be a destiny on your children that are going to change the world. You see, we've got to live like Noah lived. When everything else around you is screaming, build an ark, are you kidding? me that you build an ark because God told you to. See, that's what living faith is. It's living beyond what you think is real and living for what God's realities are. You know, when we talk about faith, when we talk about the things of, of what faith is and what can faith do, then, then, you know, we're getting into a realm to where we're asking people to come to a place where life can be a bit uncomfortable. A place where maybe people won't understand you, but they would rather critique you than try to understand you. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great men of God who accomplished so many, or I shouldn't say accomplished, he was a part of so many miracles, it was mind-boggling just to read about what he did. But this is the truth about Smith Wigglesworth. He made his contemporaries uncomfortable. They didn't even like to be around him because they did not only not understand the things that he did, they did not understand the God that could make those things happen. And see, 
Let me just say this to you. It's easier to live in a place of unbelief than it is to live in the realm of believing for the things that you can't see. Now, let me tell you about unbelief. Unbelief is anchored in what is visible. It's anchored in what is visible. It's what we can see with our natural eye. You see, unbelief is reasonable apart from God. It honors the natural realm as superior to the invisible or supernatural realm. But see, God's asking us to live a little differently. And so, you see, I, I can't just talk about faith in just any way. See, i got to talk about living faith in a way that leads us to challenge our physical bodies to live beyond what we can see and to have faith for what we learn from about who God is. See, let me tell you a couple things that, that faith really is, okay? This is what faith is. Faith is the power to see beyond a circumstance and know that God is in control. Faith is the power to see beyond a circumstance and know that God is in control. You know, I had a circumstance, and you guys know this, some of you won't because you're new here, but in 1988, I was called to do what I do now, go overseas and back again, overseas and back again. But I only had one problem, and as you know, it's the, it was the fear of flying. See, I had to trust a God to take something that was so deeply ingrained in me and trust Him to do something about what I could not do on my own and believe I wouldn't lose my mind in the process. See, I was so set on the idea that either God was going to heal me or I was going to get into Europe, and I told Tammy this, if I fly and I get to Europe and I lose my mind, just put me in a straight jacket and let me worship Jesus in Europe for the rest of my life. If I lose my mind, I would rather lose my mind for Jesus than live under the power of fear for the rest of my life. You see, faith challenges us to go face to face with the things that are holding us back, the things that are hindering us, the things that don't allow us to move forward, the things people judge us over. But only God can move you to the position that he would have you to go. And in 1997, that came to pass. All those years later, when I had to get on an airplane and choose to either lose my mind. I already freaked out one time in an airplane. Had to get multiple Valium shots in Fort Myer, Florida. Rented a car and drove home. Tammy's sitting here like, yeah. She, cause she was looking at me on this flight at People's Airlines. She was like, what is your deal? Shut the window, shut the window. What is wrong with you? I want to shut the window. What are you doing? You're shaking, you're sweating, you're a mess. Shut the window. Honey, let's go to the beach. No, let's go to the ER. I'm losing my mind. I got to get a shot of something. 
Two days of that. And then we drove home. And then the enemy thought he had me. That was the worst day that I could remember. Being 32,000 feet in the air, freaking out, and there's no way you can get them to drop you off at the next exit. I got off of that plane and I kissed the ground. And then I lost my mind. Not for that day, not for that week, for months. I couldn't get it together. I, I functioned, but I didn't get it together. And so here I am, wanting to get back on an airplane? That makes no sense. It would have been better to just left well enough alone, wouldn't it? And the enemy was doing everything he could to make sure that happened. But listen, only faith can move you to a place beyond your circumstances. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. No idea what was going to happen to me. But I know this, and I want you to understand this so clearly today. One of the concepts of faith is this. That faith is working into the future and history is demanding for you to get it right today. I know that's a mind twister, but listen to me. Whatever is holding you back from where God wants you to ultimately be is something that the enemy is using against you so that you cannot fulfill the purpose that God has in store for you. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that I, I see so many people that their finances are totally out of whack. That when it comes time to hearing about the next mission trip, they want to be on it, but they say, Pastor, I'd love to go, but I don't have the money to go. And I think to myself, first of all, it won't be your money that sends you. It'll be God's supernatural provision. But because you're so strapped in the natural, you can't trust him in the spiritual. And when it comes time to sitting down where the rubber meets the road and seeing as we lay it out for you that it's going to take 22 months for you to end this misery you've been in for 22 years, you can't do it. Why? Because it hurts. And your flesh won't allow you to get to where your spirit needs to be. And we have so many people who are allowing the enemy to cheat them of the ultimate destiny that God has for them. And the only way you're going to get there, my friend, is by faith. The only way you're going to get there, sister, is by faith. And you have to look beyond your circumstance to the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than what you can ever imagine. Because when you walk in the realms of faith, it's not about you. That's right. It's about, I just want to sing the name of Jesus. That's, and when you start trusting Jesus a little more. 
and, and, and your faith starts rising and you get to read a little more and you get excited about that and then you hear a testimony about somebody that over, overcame what you were dealing with and then when you start to have a victory, see, we got to get out of the losing streak and only Jesus, only Jesus can bring us past the place we are to the ultimately, ultimate place of destiny. Faith is the power to see beyond the circumstance and know that God is in control. We're going to be talking about this for three weeks. Next week's message is going to be ten times better than this one. And by the time you get through all of these messages you're going to be faced with a challenge. You're going to be faced with a challenge of what do I do with what I just heard? What are those things that, that hinder me? What are those things that I've lost hope for? What are those things that I've tried to control in the circumstances and haven't allowed God to actually control? You see, I managed my fear for nine years, nine years. I had multiple opportunities to take business trips with McDonnell Douglas and I excused them all away. Excuse, I could have I went to Southern California multiple times, went to Dodgers games, went to Lakers games. These things mean something to me and I couldn't do it because fear had a hold of me. And then I became an excuse machine and not a faith machine. Faith isn't some wild out there, we're believing for three homes and nine Mercedes thing. Faith is a real thing. We're gonna talk about that next week. The Bible says that faith is a substance. Well, if it calls faith a substance, it must be real. I mean, it, it, either this chair is real or it's not real. Right. One, way, one way or the other. Either it's real or it's not. I, I say it's real. So faith is a substance. There's a value to faith. There's a value to faith that is beyond anything that we could ever own or possess. The value of faith is what makes waking up so exciting every day in knowing that by having faith in Jesus that my circumstances can all change. Break every stronghold. Bring forth your healing. I just want to praise the name of Jesus because in the name of Jesus, the Bible says you have the ability to do even greater things than he did. Think about that. Chew on that all week until we come back here next Sunday. Greater than what Jesus did says a lot about him as a leader. Preparing his people to do even greater things than he did. Father, today, I thank and praise you. And I know, Lord, this, this 
message, this series of messages, I know they are life changers. I know that there are things waiting for each of us in our future that no eye has seen or ear has heard, but you have prepared for those who love you. And so, Father, today, I just pray that all of the chains that hinder people from moving into that ultimate place of their destiny would begin to fall off. All of those things of despair and hopelessness that people can see with their natural eye, that you would begin to give them eyes to see something that they could never believe in a hundred years. And so, Father, it is an honor to be able to know that something bigger than me and better than me is working through me. I'm so glad that you're not depending on the flesh of Dwight to do all the things that are in my future because I'd rather just take a nap sometimes, Lord. But that's not what you have for my life. That's not what you have for all of our lives. And so, Father, today, break every stronghold. Let each person in this sanctuary and those watching us online, let them make a conscious choice to say, today is the day that I trust Jesus and Him alone. And Father, we thank You that we can call on your name and nothing ever remains the same. I thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship together. Over every heart and every mind. Yes, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Because I know there is peace within. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, speak it. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Yeah. I, I speak Jesus. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Your name is power. Hallelujah. Your name is me. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.